Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him, and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. This is The Hunting Show, and I'm your host, Stephen Spargo. Welcome. Welcome back to yet another episode, and good on you. Good on you for tuning in. Uh, isn't it great to see that now some 16,000 of you have us on auto-download, uh, which is really interesting. You know, that means that you're getting onto us on iTunes and bits and pieces, and you're automatically downloading us. And the good thing about the internet age is I can keep a good gauge on who's listening to what. And I do find it fascinating to see the shows that get the most listeners. Some shows, they do take a bit of a dip. Obviously, they're things you're not interested in, and maybe that I am, but that's okay. Um, At large, we're getting most of you back week on week, and that's great to see. What an awesome time of the year it is to be getting out and about. The days are long and the nights are warm. And some of you will be rolling your eyes at me yet again, saying, well, it's not the best hunting. And you're quite right. Um, the, the deer don't need to come out as often or don't want to. The grass isn't there because it's all drying up, or particularly around where I am. But who cares? You're getting out and about, and you're enjoying it. And it's great time to get youth out and about. Getting youth out into the, into the bush at this time of the year means that they have an enjoyable time. If they're having an enjoyable time, they're going to want to come back. And that really is the topic of today's show. Hunters as mentors. So joined by phone is Cam Speedy. Now Cam's a wildlife biologist, or as he calls it, a simple biologist. How are you, Cam? I'm good, Steve. Good. Now, what caught my eye is you wrote an article for one of our partners, NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine, about hunters as mentors. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired that? Um, well, I've been writing for Outdoor for quite a while now, and since um, Deb and Eric took over, they sort of tried to change the focus of the magazine a little bit more towards the education and particularly the youth stuff. Um, and so I've been focusing more on educative sort of articles, but this youth mentoring one is, is one that just struck a chord with me. Um, the the work we've been doing with Tom Lachlan, the Kaiwaho around the Tuwhara Tour youth, um, has been really inspirational for me. I've learned as much off those young fellows as, as, um, as they've learned off me. And um, it's that whole concept of exposing young people to the outdoors and just in the context uh, an environment that they that they prefer. A lot of these young fellows are pig hunters and deer hunters, and getting them in the bush is a place where you just open their ears and open their minds to new ideas. And um, and it's just something that I've been really keen on all my life because I had some wonderful mentors when I was a kid. And it's just about paying back a little bit, you know. Isn't that amazing? You know, you've actually you've just taken words out of my mouth. I was talking about uh, we were talking just off air about my involvement, for example, in scouting. 
And part of the reason I'm still involved with that, it was the great people and the great mentors that I had, and now it's time to pay that back. You think um, when you're breeding with these young people, you're not only breeding good citizens, I suppose, but you're also breeding another generation of mentors. Oh, that's right. It's um, it's an intergenerational thing. And, uh, you know, if older hunters can't pass on their knowledge and hard-won experiences and learning to the younger generation, then it's so much harder. When I first moved to Tūrangi, uh, I'd, I'd never seen a seeker deer before, and I started hunting them. And I went out day after day after day and really struggled. <laughs> I, I, I yep. taught myself until finally I ran into a couple of guys that just gave me some words of wisdom that just turned it all around for me, you know. And and so I've been hugely grateful to the people that have mentored me. And, you know, the sort of skills you get from the hills aren't skills you learn in, in the classroom, you know. The, mm. That resilience, that, that physical, mental stamina, that sort of innovation that... Um, you know, you've got to look after yourself, um, and and it's those are important skills that people who are successful in business or successful in professional careers they have those skills. And I mean, you look at a lot of the good hunters around the place; they are very successful businessmen, they're very successful professionals, and and a lot of that success is due to the skills you learn in the outdoors. You know, you, you'll see that from your scalping experience too, eh? Oh, absolutely. And the ones that stick it out seem to stick it out and do well with life. I don't know if that's quite the right words. And the other thing I think is that all the things you just mentioned, as you said in your article, uh, they go on to create people with huge amounts of self-esteem. And self-esteem breeds success, I think, anyway. Oh, I I, I can't um, describe the feeling of... uh of joy, really, or, or pride that I had when I first took venison home to my family, and they went, oh, this is yummy. And, you know, I'd won it, I'd shot it, I'd carried it out, I'd butchered it, I'd presented it to my family, and they were they were proud of me, and that made me really proud. That whole self-esteem thing is huge. It's a big spiral up, eh? You've actually touched on another subject. I don't know if you cover this in your article. I don't think you did. But there's something also inherent when you when you shoot that first animal you gain a new understanding and a new appreciation for one life two where food comes from and i think that people hunters and vegetarians have so much in common that they probably don't even realize they have this huge respect for animals they have uh, they really think about where your food comes from and taking it home and presenting it to your family is certainly i think it's something quite primal but it's really important to uh, to me i i find that quite a uh, a buzz is not the right word, but it's there's something about that that's quite um, satisfying. Well, it's a part of who I am. It's a part of my fibre. I've obviously got hunter-gatherer genes in me mm-hmm. from way back. My partner and I live on a few acres near the Tongariro River with a beautiful view of the Kaimanoas, and we grow veggies in our garden and have an orchard and have pigs and lambs and chickens, and you know we shoot or or grow all our own meat. And, and for our kids. Um, them knowing that food comes from somewhere, not a plastic tray in the supermarket, is really important to us. And you're right, um, we know exactly where all our food comes from. We know it's been looked after. We know it hasn't been um, suffering any sort of cruelty or, or being mistreated in any way. And that's one of the cool things I like about going out with young guys is you're watching deer, you're saying, nah, you can't shoot that one, bro, it's not on the menu. This this particular block has a, has a kaupapa or a management plan, and... At this time of year, no, nah, you can't shoot that one. So you end up watching a whole lot of deer before you finally say, there's one, that's the one we're after. 
And so they haven't got this urge just to pull the trigger. The first thing they do when they see a deer is pull the trigger, which is where I was when I when I first started hunting. I'd shoot anything, you know, uh, and I've matured and grown past that to hunt more like a manager or a biologist, less of, a, of an end-use consumer. And, and one of the cool things about taking young guys out in the hills is that you can teach them those gamekeeper or, or steward sort of ethics right from day one. You choose your animal, you select it carefully, you make sure you put it down humanely, you look after your meat, and you follow the process right through from managing the herd to putting it on your plate for your family, you know, and that's something really special. Yeah, and you're interesting. You mentioned that that putting it down in a humane way. Uh, I think as a hunter, I, I really I'm gutted when you don't get that clean shot or that clean kill. And we've all been in that position. Well, I'm assuming we've all been in that oh, position where it doesn't I, happen. I have for sure. And, and yep. it eats you away to the core. I don't. I think non-hunters don't quite understand that. No, in my experience with with genuine hunters is exactly that. Um, they they don't want to see the animal suffer. And the meat's better if it goes down without even hearing the shot, you know. Uh, if you wound it and chase it around, uh, as happens in some cases, I mean, it's ugly, it's not pleasant, and it's not good for the meat. You don't end up with a quality product at the end. So, you know, it's it's, it's part of the ethics of modern hunting, in my view. How do you find, and um, you've been involved with getting these young people out in the bush, and, and so have I, um, where they're... They're okay at that, that shooting point. Um, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll knock it over. But when it comes to skinning, gutting, and butchering, uh, it's a whole different game. And that's where the real um, appreciation for what actually goes on comes from. I, I found that was that was the point of turning for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, to pack a deer, to gut a deer, to butcher a deer. You actually need some some skills, some supervision, and some help, mm. um, and that's one of the cool things is that the young guys that we take out when they shoot their first deer, they do everything. They, you know, they're given tuition, but it's up to them. And there's no pressure environment. You don't have to rush it. You know, you've got a helicopter hovering above you and saying, "Come on, hang another one on the hook," sort of thing. It's um, it, it's part of the process. It's, it's part of the meat you take home. You've controlled it from go to woe, and, and you know, the gutting, the hanging, the carrying, the butchering, the whole nine yards. You have a little saying um, that, I, that I do with my daughter and my son when we're eating venison for tea. They go, how does it go, Dad? How does it go? Find the deer, shoot the deer, bleed the deer, gut the deer, carry the deer, hang the deer, skin the deer, butcher the deer, cook the deer, eat the deer. Uh, it's a, it's a you know, 10-step process. Yep. And, and if you have an understanding of that process, you know exactly where your food comes from and you know that it's quality product that hasn't been exposed to chemicals. I mean, that's one of the great things about our wild deer herds is that they're um, you know, organic produce out of our bush. Yeah, absolutely. One thing about hunting, and, and part of the whole background of this show, was that we're kind of veiled in secrecy, or the, or the fraternity, or the hunting fraternity is veiled in secrecy. And it's not on purpose, I don't think, but for people out there that are new to hunting, and I know I struggled this with this when I was new to hunting, and to be fair... I'm only, you know, I'm, I'm no, by no means an experienced hunter in the scheme of things. I still find sometimes it's hard to get through those barriers and get some really good advice or get one of these uh, older guys that's been hunting for years and years to just take you out and pass on that knowledge. Where what you're proposing here and what you've put into practice kind of nails it, doesn't it? It gets rid of those, those doors. There's no three secret knocks to get through into this. It really is something we need to open up. Otherwise... In, in generations to come, our sport will, will 
Uh, yeah. Kind I, I of paid, you in, know. In days gone by, perhaps there was a bit of commercial uh, secrecy or, or commercial advantage in keeping your top hunting spot to yourself because the more deer you could carry out, the more cash you could make it um, a, a little bit distasteful. Uh, and I think that's part of the secrecy. But I also think there's a little bit of um, anti-hunting stuff around that people feel feel a bit um, uneasy about. You know, I'll say, you're one of these macho Rambo hunters, are you? And I go, oh, no, no, I, I hunt because I want to understand and control what I put on my plate for my family. Mm. You know, so I say to people, when they say, oh, so you're a hunter, and I say, oh, yeah, I am, are you? No. Don't you eat meat? Uh, yes. Also, who does your dirty work for you? You know, yeah. um, at least at least I do my own dirty work, and and, I, and I'm proud to be a hunter. But I'm proud to teach youth the uh, confidence and the self-assurity to say, yeah, I'm a hunter. I look after my deer, my meat. I control my food and my diet, um, and be proud of that, and, and not be secrecy. But the main thing is to to get rid of that sort of shoot as many as you can, you know, the more tails hanging off the belt, the better you are, the bigger man you are, um, by getting young fellas to sit and watch there and, and say, no, nah, you can't shoot that one, no, nah, that's a hind, she's pregnancy, her big basketball puku and her big udder, she's going to have a fawn any day now, aha, there's one, there's a yearling hind, you can take that one, and they actually start to understand that it's not all about shooting anything and everything. You've actually raised all sorts of points there that I could I could digress into, but one of them is I, I think that hunting as as a sport. I mean, for example, I had a, an email some months ago now from an animal rights group that were just horrified that we were trying to what I'm doing. And, and interestingly enough, they weren't a New Zealand animal rights group. Um, I think they might be a little bit more understanding of our sport. But it was basically, at one point, they said, if you're going to eat meat, you need to get it from the supermarket. That way no animals were harmed. And at that point, I nearly fell off my seat. These people clearly have never been to um, you know, an meat. abattoir. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> they, they ain't pretty places. Um, no, they're I, not. I understand they've <laughs> got to be there. Um, yeah. But do you think that getting more of the general public to understand what we do is going to help or hinder our sport? Well, I actually think New Zealanders are quite pragmatic, realistic people. Mm. Uh, we still are connected to our rural roots to a degree. Um, uh, but the thing is um, that in New Zealand, our deer have no natural predators, and too many deer are terrible for our environment. And, you know, we don't want to be poisoning such a wonderful resource, such wonderful charismatic animals. That's just a crazy waste. Um, so the only way to keep them in balance with the environment is is hunting, mm. whether that be um, recreationally for the pot or, or some commercial harvest that um, utilises the meat. But even in the states where deer, white-tailed deer are native, they've killed off the uh, wolves and the, um, they've controlled things like bobcats and cougars and stuff to the degree where the deer are in quite large numbers. And, and so they've actually, man has had to take over the role of predators. So in an ecological sense, hunters play a really vital role in the well-being and balance of the environment. And, and I think... Um, that's something that's it's not really emphasised enough, that we are a, a part of the, the food chain in our modern forests. Sure, deer weren't there always, but they're there now, they have no predators, and if we don't take enough, the deer will expand into numbers that uh, they eat the forest out and become skinny and unproductive. And, um, you know, I can take you to places 
um, right now and, and show you places that have had too many deer for too long. The forest is pretty munted and the deer are skinny and unproductive. So, you know, it's about getting that balance. And I, and I think um, if we were to promote ourselves as environmental uh, managers to a degree in New Zealand, uh, we could get around that sort of animal rights stuff. I also wonder, and we, we have gone off topic, but we, uh, this is this is a great conversation, about some of the DVDs or some of the videos that I see out there are pretty bloodthirsty, you know, um, and I don't think that's necessarily a good image for hunters. Uh, do, you, do you get what I'm trying to say there? I think oh, totally. And you see it on national television on some of their hunting shows. Uh, yeah, um, the ones, yep. Some of the shots aren't very clean and, and some of the behaviour isn't that pretty and it doesn't portray hunters in a particularly good light. Um, it, it's not how I operate. I, try to operate at the maximum ethics because I, I want the best possible food for my table and when you put a bullet through a deer's head when it's feeding and it doesn't even know you're there it doesn't hear the shot and it doesn't know anything um, but yeah, hooling up animals with dogs and wounding them and chasing them and stuff as we sometimes see on some of our, our mainstream television is not a good look for hunters I agree and, and bringing that or circling that back around to hunters as mentors, what mother in their right mind would let their son or daughter go out and do that? Um, if you're portraying it badly, that's not going to help your case in that end, is it either? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but a lot of these young fellas, they've grown up with their uncles and their dads and their mm. grandfathers in an era where there was a lot of game and it was a bit of a free-for-all and the ethics were perhaps a... Uh, not as good as they could have been and, and sometimes you have to undo some of that learning right. and sitting there with a pair of binoculars watching there uh, is a great way to have those conversations and to undo some of that learning it's not it's not what the old uncle or grandfather did was totally wrong but it was at a different time and a different era and the world moves on and we have to adjust our behaviour and our ethics and the way we operate to reflect modern times and, and I think most people will understand that, and if you can build that into these mentoring programs, young people are incredibly receptive to that sort of message. And, and what about, this is something I find interesting, you've got a lot of young people that even live in towns that are, you'd think were quite rural, like Taupo and Turangi, that really haven't connected with the, with the environment around them yet. You know, There's no lineage of hunting, and there's, or if there was, it's been lost. And getting them back out into the bush and out into our hills... How do you go about starting that conversation? It's really hard. There's a lot of young men, particularly, who don't have fathers. Uh, but that's not to say young women don't hunt. They're incredibly big growth market in the hunting industry at the moment, young women. Um, but you've got to get them away from their PlayStations and, and reconnect with the real world. You're right. There's a lot of very urban-focused people who get their food from a shelf in the supermarket, who get their heat from swicking, flicking a switch on the heater. They don't understand about laying a good crop of firewood down and drying it for next winter. And, and I guess um, schools and uh, scouts and, and those sorts of places uh, are where you go. We, we go to the schools in, in Topol, the Kura, uh the school here in Tūrangi, and we talk to the teachers about which boys would benefit from these sorts of programs and, and we get sort of hand-picked guys. Some of them are real keen hunters, but some of them are couch potatoes who live on their computer. And for some of them, the bush is a real challenge, but it really does 
um, make them see the world differently. It, it, it's amazing. And I know from my own experience, for example, at the moment I've had a busy few weeks. It's been, you know, the last eight or nine weeks have been full on for not only my own business, but where I, my day job as well. It's just that time of the year. And I'm getting to the point now where I'm craving getting out for a few nights, you know. So I need to be pulled away from these computer screens I have all around me right now and and get back to the real world as I see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, these young people, if they've never seen that, how do they de-stress, you know, and clearly it's by playing up. Yeah, one of the cool things about the wānanga we run at Kaiwaho with the young Māori youth is is the tikanga around the the sort of spiritual nature of the connection to the land, the wairua, mm. um, the um, the feeling you get that that for me anyway, it's an overwhelming sense of well-being when I'm in the hills. The air is clean, the water is crystal clear, the bush is just full of birdsong. Um, and you and you can feel the spirit of the wairua of the of the whenua. And for a lot of young Māori, they've grown up with that Māori cultural view, and they grasp those concepts much better than I think some of the um, the Pākehā kids do. That's not to say um, I mean I'm a white middle class Pākehā <laughs> New Zealander myself, yeah. but I, I can really relate to the Māori connection through their whakapapa to the land. Through the, they feel the the spirit of the land, the, the Māori, the life force. And, and it's something I can totally relate to. And one of the really successful parts of this course, I think, is that we actually broach that, that spiritual side of hunting. It isn't just about food. It isn't just about going out and being a macho hunter. It's about learning um, to be part of the ecology, to be part of the land, to feel the spirit and to, and to sort of walk with it. Um, and for most kids... Uh, it's a concept that they're open to. They haven't been um, blinkered too much just yet. It's a great time when they're sort of 14, 15 to, to get them out there and say, hey, here's a different perspective on the world. Yeah, and I think you've nailed it there, That uh, and I'm a bit like you, middle-class European male, um, but I do feel a connection. Now, I don't personally relate that, that to something spiritual, but for me it's still where I feel the most relaxed, and I and I fully get where you're going with that, it's kind of where I feel most at home, you know, like the, I know some guys that live in the bush, I want to say I know them, I've met some guys that live in the bush full time, and they're not unhappy cats, you know, it really is a different lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah, well, when I worked for the forest service in my early days in Doc, um, I was probably living in the hills for six months of the year, um, you know, doing a lot of seeker research and, and forest monitoring and blue duck and kiwi work and, and the likes, um, and it became my sort of preferred home, if you like. Mm. Uh, I'm lucky that I live in such a beautiful rural setting now. It's it's very bush-like. Um, <laughs> but it must be hard to live in an urban situation, uh, particularly, you know, where you've got houses crammed on expensive land. Um, there's not a lot of places to run around and um, providing opportunities for young people to experience the bushes are for me, a really important part of being a New Zealander and, and a, of us having a prosperous future as a society. Cam, Cam, there's going to be lots of hunters listening to the show that, that are kind of getting what we're talking about and thinking maybe they could do the exact same thing. How do you suggest a hunter would get into mentoring young people? 
Oh, I guess there's a number of ways. Formally, you could do it through something like the NZDA Hunts Program. They have a fabulous, the New Zealand Deer Stalkers Association, they have a fabulous Hunts Program targeted at youth. I used to do quite a bit of work with them when I worked for DOC, doing game management presentations and talking about ecology and wildlife and stuff. Uh, mountain safety as well. Um, you know, they, they run firearms training. But it's also within the family, uh, family friends, um, I really um, enjoy taking family, friends, children hunting where perhaps they don't hunt. We might fish together, uh, but they don't hunt. And they've always said, oh, Cam, tell me about your hunting. You know, would you like to go one day? And sure, and you, you take them out. Taking strangers out is a little bit more difficult. Um, you know, it's... Um, but I guess it starts with family and friends as a, as a starting point. What Tom and I are trying to do with the, the wananga and, and the youth training programs out at um, Kaiwaho is um, a bit more formal. It's got some structure in. In fact, we're putting it on an NZQA framework this year, so kids will be able to get NCA credits for um, for coming out um, and, and learning this stuff. But it is a little bit harder for the average person to to take strangers out. There's all sorts of mm. uh, you know modern paranoias about men taking boys out into the wild. Um, but yep. friends and family, friends and family is a is a great place to start. And if you want to check out your article, it's in the December January issue of NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine. It really is well worth a read. You can find it on most bookshelves. The likes of Paper Plus and Bits and Pieces, I am sure. Cam, thank you so much for your time. I didn't even realise until we spoke on the phone the other day, we're only a, a few kilometres apart. We've got to catch up for a beer and maybe go out for a hunt. Yeah, mate, that would be awesome. Maybe you could come and see um, our group of kids out at uh, Kaiwaho later on this year. I, I really want to do that. I'm really enthusiastic about what you're doing. It's only up the road, and maybe we could record a show from out at Kaiwaho because I really like um, the concept, and I've talked to Tom about it a few times, and I think you really hit the nail on the head with what you're up to. Good on you, mate. And remember, if you'd like to win a year subscription to NZ Outdoor Hunting Magazine, all you've got to do is be active with us. Um, like us on Facebook, share us and do all that kind of stuff. And if you don't have Facebook, and I know many of you don't, all you've got to do is email us, info at thehuntingshow.co.nz. And if you'd like to add me on the Hunter Point app, uh, feel free to. Uh, same email address, info at thehuntingshow.co.nz. Add me on Hunter Point. Um, why not? That's what it's there for, and uh, feel free to share any of those spots with me you like, although probably you won't, uh, but that's okay. Add me, info at thehuntingshow.co.nz. Guys, it's been a great show. I'm loving summer. Behave and good hunting. Broadcasting from an undisclosed location, from a secret hunting spot known only to him, and the guy who told him about it, and possibly the guy who told the guy who told him. It's a show all about hunting in New Zealand and around the globe. This is The Hunting Show. Find The Hunting Show on Facebook and Twitter for up-to-date information on upcoming shows and topics. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 